Let's get into the word this morning. Father, we thank you for this. Well, first of all, Lord, thank you for a worship team that will serve you and serve the people. They'll just flow with the move of the Holy Spirit and just open themselves up to your anointing and to your glory. Thank you for this church, Father, a body of people who are here to worship you. There's an anticipation and expectancy to worship you and to receive from you. I thank you, Father, for this great church. We're not a perfect church, but this is a great church, Lord, and it's such an honor and a privilege that you called me to pastor it. I thank you for that. Now, Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you that the same anointing that's here to minister to us, to deposit into us, is here to teach us. And we look into the scriptures this morning, Father. We look into the word, and I thank you that the word of the Lord will come and that there'll be an encouragement and a, and a delivering, Father, in Jesus' name. I felt a weight break in worship today, and I thank you for that. I praise you for that. Continue, Father, by the Holy Ghost, what you're doing in this place. We will not get in your way. We're working with you, and you're working with us, according to the word, to do what you want. So use us, <laughs> speak to us. Encourage and strengthen us, and we give you glory for it, Father, and we give you honor, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, let's open up to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to have three scriptures today, unless the Lord has me quote a thousand, like sometimes he does, but three readings. Sometimes I read, sometimes I don't, but this morning we're going to read. Y'all got your reading glasses on? All right, well, don't look at it through stained glass eyes. Look at it through eyes open to truth. Amen? Yeah. I told you, Luke, I should get there, right? Luke chapter 4, and uh, I've been praying about this. You've heard me say this a lot, and it's not just because I ran out of things to preach. You know, what's interesting about this is that I'll never end up preaching everything I know. Any pre not just me, any preacher who studies the Word, you'll never preach everything you know. You'll never run out of things that you preach. Pat's back there. He's, a, he's been a pastor before and he's shaking his head. Yes, you're never going to run out of what you know. You just don't have enough time to get it all out. So contrary to popular belief, it's not because I ran out of things to say that the Lord's having me hit this. It's actually the leading in the direction of the Lord. But I've been seeking the Lord on this weight, this discouragement. We hit it, I think, last Sunday. I went to 1 Samuel chapter 30 and talked about David was dismayed and discouraged because the people spoke of stoning him. Remember? David encouraged himself in the Lord. That was a great message. Man, I'm going to get the CD. <laughs> no amens on that. But this morning as I was just seeking the Lord and thinking, you know, I could teach about just about anything you want me to, Lord, but what, what is it that you're wanting to say to the people? And he spoke to me and he said, today through the worship and through the message, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock this thing off of the people. And I felt it break in worship. And so I, I'm excited that we've got a, a, a better day coming. No more discouragement, no more heaviness, no more oppression, depression. But praise God, we're still going to say what he told us to. See it in scripture. I mean, Jesus said here, excuse me, Jesus is being let out. The Bible says in Luke chapter 4, Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. Well, James said, when someone's tempted, let them not say that they're tempted of God, because God does not tempt anyone, neither is he himself tempted. So it's important to pay attention to the context. Who is tempting Jesus? The devil. He's the same person that tempts us to say things we shouldn't, or think things we shouldn't, or feel things that we shouldn't. Are you here? Jesus 
being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan. What happened at Jordan? Does anybody remember? He was baptized. We're going to baptize some people this morning. I'm looking forward to it. He returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan. Led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted, verse 2, for, of the devil, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. In those days he ate nothing, he fasted. And afterward, when they, when they had ended, he was hungry, I'd say so. And the devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, notice he can't touch the provision, he attacks the promise. The devil doesn't do you any different. He can't touch the provision, he attacks the promise. If you are the son of God. Well, God told them, you are my son. This day I have begotten you. We know he was the son of God. If you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word of God. Then the devil taking him up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you in their glory. For this, or it has been delivered to me, I can give it to whoever I want. Therefore, if you worship before me, it'll all be yours. Again, this is a promise. Jesus was already told that God would make every nation come and worship him. Again, the devil's not attacking the provision. He's attacking the promise. He's never going to do you any different. He's going to come at the promise because the the provision is eternally established. Now, I've said that to you before, but I'm showing it to you in the Bible again and again and again. This pans out all the way through. He's never going to come at you for the provision's sake. He's always going to come at you for the promise's sake. So if you want a healing in your body and you believe that Jesus Christ is the healer and he has healed you, then he's going to attack you in the area of healing. Because he's not going to be able to touch the provision. He's going to come after the promise. You want to be blessed of God and have peace in the midst of turbulence. Nobody here? Nobody wants peace in the middle of the storm? Oh, there you are. Hey, good morning. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up. If you want peace in the middle of turbulence, if you want peace in the middle of the storm, what's he going to come after? He's not going to come after the fact that Jesus Christ has died to give you peace. He's going to come after the provision, excuse me, the promise of peace. He's going to get you uptight, upset, and worried, and in fear, frustrated, mentally aggravated, and just agitated. So anyway, the devil's a liar. Everybody said, the devil's a liar. He says that Jesus said, uh, I, I got all this stuff. I can give it to whoever I want. And then Luke 4, verse 8, he said, And Jesus answered unto him and said, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, see, he's, he's quoting scripture. And he's doing a better job than most Christians do. Are you here? He's quoting scripture. What is this? This is a promise. He's attacking a promise of God. He can't touch the provision. It's established forever. So the devil, Satan, everybody say Satan. Satan. I mean, the Bible says in verse 8, Jesus said, get thee behind me. Not Peter. Not Matthew. Not James. Not John. Satan. Satan's quoting scripture. Satan is tempting him and quoting a promise to Jesus, the word. And you sit there in your chair this morning, you think, well, you know, the devil isn't going to do that to me. Oh, come on. 
Jesus is the Word. The Word became flesh and dwelt among men, and we beheld him as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Yes. John chapter 1. You think you're exempt from the devil trying to challenge the promises of God? No, no, neither am I. No, 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 no. That'd be foolish to think that way. But just like Jesus, we have a way out of this thing. We have the word. Just like Jesus had the word, we have the word. We don't answer him about, it doesn't matter, the song says, how I feel. doesn't matter what I see. My hope will always be in God's promises to me. So I have the same ammunition, the Holy Ghost. That's why we, we read that first verse twice. Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan. Now, if you went over to Jordan's house, you could say, Christina, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan's house. <laughs> See how good that worked? You got to take those opportunities when they come along. Jesus was filled with the Holy Ghost. Anybody in here filled with the Holy Ghost? Amen. I mean, anybody in here not ashamed that you're filled with the Holy Ghost? Amen. Any tongue talkers in here? Amen. I'm a tongue talker. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not worried about offending anybody. I'm a tongue talker. If you don't like it, you don't have to stick around me, but I'm going to pray in tongues out loud. I'm going to do my best to keep my body from stinking to offend you, but when it comes to the Holy Ghost speaking through my spirit and talking in tongues, I just don't care. Amen. Amen. And by the way, that's not what Paul said about our liberty offending somebody. Just so you, just so you know. He was talking about in drink and in eating. In festivals and Sabbaths and moons. Right. Satan came to tempt Jesus, but Jesus was full of the Holy Ghost and so are we. Yeah. And Jesus didn't answer him about how he felt because he was hungry. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Every word of God. Every word of God. Every word of God. See, in this life that we're living in, some of us have felt like, man, we've been in it so long, the battle, the trial, the tribulation, the test, the whatever you want to call it, that it's like our enemies have just completely triumphed over us. We've so given way to this temptation or this addiction or this appetite that we're hopeless and helpless. We've felt that way before, though, haven't we? We felt like there's no coming back from this. There's no way out. Well, Jesus was in a wilderness, alone, hungry. Isn't it interesting that the area that Jesus was struggling in, hunger, was the first thing that Satan came at him with? You want to eat some food? See, people think that the devil's smart. I think that the devil's stupid. And I think that Christians should be at least as smart as the devil. Which isn't saying much, but it's saying something because some of us aren't as smart as the devil. I've been there before. How about you? Look at your neighbor and say, praise God, he's talking to you. <laughs> Verse 8, it says, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall, not, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written. Here Satan's trying to do the same thing, use the same strategy and the same tactic that Jesus, the son of God, is using. For it is written, 
He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bind you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord. In other words, it's absolutely true. If I were to fall from this place, the angels of God would keep me. But I'm not going to just jump, throw myself from it to tempt the Lord my God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, boy, you ought to highlight that, circle it, get it tattooed on your head, tattoo it in your mind, tattoo it in your spirit. I'm not talking about like getting ink, but if you want to do that, you should do that too. Just get this thing so burned in you, it cannot last forever. It can't last forever. When the temptation of Satan ended, the discouragement that comes on you, it's going to end. The oppression, the depression, the battle, the war, the trial, it's going to end. When it ends, when the temptation ended, the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until the opportune time. It's going to all end. He's going to realize, I'm not going to be able to shake this person. See, I've said this before, and you've looked at me in that kind of familiar same tone of voice that you're looking at me right now, and said, I'm not sure I believe that. But I've said to you before, if he cannot get you, he will leave you alone and try another way another day. He's not persistent. We're persistent. He has no reckless abandon to pursue like we do. He just roaming, seeking whom he may devour. When the temptation, when all he had was thrown at you and it finally ended, he left, he departed, he walked away. Now you may be in the battle today and say, boy, that day could happen like now, that'd be cool. Anybody there? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) The whole church goes, me. (laughs) But I want you to just be encouraged. Take courage. Just stand your ground. Stand on the word. I'm not going to give in to that appetite. I'm not going to get in that temptation. I'm not going to get into doubt and worry and fear. I'm not going to give place to thoughts that shouldn't be there. I'm going to take every thought captive. Why? Because it's going to end and he's going to leave. He's not just going to follow you around every single day for the rest of your life like some crazy Christians believe. That's error. Well, how do you know? Because we got Bible verses to prove it. Satan departed. Why? Because he wasn't going to get Jesus to fail that day. Well, he's no different than you and I. Jesus was a human being filled with the Holy Ghost. And we started that whole thing off by saying Jesus had the same thing we have, the Holy Ghost and the Word. Amen? Amen. I mean, he didn't come tempting God. He came tempting the Son. He came tempting the flesh. And Satan left. He, he, he just decided to pack up and go on. There's going to be a reprieve for you. There's going to be a release. There's going to be relief. It's going to end. Don't give up. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not giving up. You don't give up either. I'm not giving up. You don't give up either. I'm not giving up. You don't give up either. I'm not going to give up. Why not give up? Because he's going to leave. 
I want you to see this verse. Fantastic verse. 14. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. If you'll just stand, if you'll hold on to Jesus and allow him to anchor your soul, get your mind and your will and your emotions under control and grab a hold of him and say, I'm not going to be shaken and I'm not going to let go. If you'll just hold on, Satan is going to leave and God is going to bring power of the Holy Spirit out of you, out of you, not to you, out of you. Just stand. Just hold on. Just wait. Well, Pastor Brian, you just don't know. Yeah, I do. No, but you don't know. Yeah, I do. Yeah, but I've had, yeah, me too. Yeah, but it's been real hard. I get it. I know. They pinned Jesus to wood with nails, like real ones. It's rough. Are you here? No one's, no one's downplaying your hurt. No one's downplaying your pain, emotional, physical, or spiritual. No one's downplaying the horrible, terrible things that may have happened to you or that you may have done. But I'm here to tell you in the name of Jesus Christ, just hold on. God is the deliverer. And my Bible tells me that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he ever pulled one person out, he's going to pull you out. Are you here? You know, Malachi chapter 3 is real popular with people who tithe, and that's good because it should be. But there's some verses in there that are really great that really don't have a whole lot to do with tithing, just the nature, character, and, and, and attributes of God. And right there in tithing, he says, I, the Lord, will not change. Did you know that was in there? Right there, hiding in the tithing verses, I, the Lord, will not change. Right smack dab in the middle of tithing. He's constant. He's not going to change. He's not going to change. He's the same, Hebrews 13, 8, he's the same yesterday, right now, today, and forever. And that doesn't matter what today you're in. It doesn't matter if it's 150,000 years from now, should the Lord tarry, he's never going to change today. Always going to be the same. And if he ever delivered anyone, which he did, then he will deliver you if you'll hold fast to your confession and hold fast to Jesus, the anchor of your soul. The temptation's going to end. It's going to loosen. It's going to lighten up. And if you've stood that fiery trial, the Bible calls it, the testing of your faith, then just like Jesus, you're going to be able to return in the power of the Holy Ghost. Turn over to Luke chapter 22. Are you okay this morning? Is that all right? Amen. Does that encourage you? Yes. Look at your neighbor and say, man, he's preaching good. <laughs> My head's already big enough. If you keep telling me that, I won't be able to walk. I don't t- no, that isn't true. Trust me, I know where I came from. Luke chapter 22. Jesus is talking to Peter. And... Um, He's in Gethsemane, excuse me, and the disciples, the Lord's talking to me about 
another verse. He's in this Gethsemane and, and he's asked them to pray. The Bible tells us that they were a stone's throw. Oh, I like that language. They were just a stone's throw from Jesus. But yet they couldn't pray with him. Jesus didn't ask him to pray all night long. Does anybody remember? Yeah. What did he ask him to pray for? How long? Yeah. I think Sherry said it. One hour. Could you not pray for me just one hour? Just one hour. You know, I'm not going to get into prayer today. <laughs> but if you guys have followed me on Facebook, I've put some things on prayer up on my Facebook page recently. I hate Facebook, but it's a tool, so I use it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's something to be said about Christians who don't pray. We need to pray. We need to talk to the Lord. And prayer isn't just giving him our list of things that we need. But prayer is fellowshipping with the Lord. It's communicating with the Lord. And it's taking time to hear from the Lord. How many of you think we should hear from the Lord? Amen. So Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane has asked him to pray with him. And uh, they couldn't pray just one hour. But it's interesting if we pay attention to the context here. Before that took place, before Jesus goes on, Jesus tells Peter, you're going to deny me. Look at 32. Look at 31. Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you. 22, 31 that he may sift you as wheat. He says, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. Now, I'm not going to say to you today that every single time any of us ever faces any kind of trial or tribulation, that that means that Satan has come and asked for us to be sifted. But I am going to tell you that that could happen. But how many of you know the Bible tells us that every day has its own evil in it? Jesus said that himself. Sufficient for the day. Sufficient for the day. It, it, it has enough in it already just because it's broken and failed, the world. But it's interesting to me that he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you, but, verse 32, I have prayed that your faith should not fail. Faith should not fail. And then he says, and when you've returned, me, and probably is in your Bible, and it's probably italicized, but he says, when you have returned, return to what? Return to the faith. Return to the brethren. Return to church. Return to walking with God. When you have returned, he says, this is what he's prayed for, that his faith wouldn't fail, and that when you return, you'd strengthen or empower or encourage or uplift or edify the brethren. See, we go through trials and tribulations, and you may be going through a trial and a tribulation right now, but I want to encourage you that, again, not to, for the sake of repeating, I want to encourage you, it's going to end. The temptation, the trial, the tribulation, the warfare, whatever you want to name it, is going to end. It's going to lift. And when it does, if we have stood in faith, 
there's an equipping of the Holy Ghost that comes alongside of us. How many ever felt that before? The Holy Ghost just overcomes us, and we're able to edify not ourselves. The power of the Holy Ghost came on Jesus not to minister to Jesus. The power of the Holy Ghost came on Jesus for Jesus to go and do what he was about to do. The power of the Holy Ghost was going to come on Peter, Simon Peter, not for Peter, but then when he returned, he had strengthened the brethren. There's an anointing within and an anointing upon, and the anointing upon comes on us for the sake of other people. The anointing within us is for us. The anointing upon us is for somebody else. And so Peter is going to be encouraged in this trial, going to be encouraged in this tribulation. Jesus himself is praying for him. He knows Satan's coming. He's coming to sift him. He's coming to try him, but Jesus has prayed for his faith, that it wouldn't fail. And that when he returns, when he gets this muck, when he gets this mire, when he gets this garbage, when he gets this trial, this tribulation, this issue that he's going through, when it's all wrapped up and said and done, take that strength that's going to come on you and go and edify the brethren. Go and minister to the brethren. Go and love on the brethren. Amen, Pastor. That's a good word. Praise God. See, the devil wants you to be isolated and think that it's all about you. The devil wants you to be isolated and think that it's just you're the only one alone in this trial. You're the only one alone in this tribulation. You're the only one. And, and if you're here, then you can never do anything for God again. You can never do the will of God. You can never help people. You can never accomplish anything for God. And the devil's a liar. Because you're not alone in the trial. You're not alone in the tribulation. You may not know it, but other people have gone through it just like you, faced the same problems, endured the same hardships and the same battles. No temptation, no trial is going to be able to overcome you that isn't common to man. That's what the Apostle Paul said. Everybody's faced financial pressure. Amen? Everybody's faced the, 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 the lack of peace in your life. Everybody's faced the guilt that comes when you fail. Everybody's faced the guilt when you fail in your marriage or fail in your family or fail with your children or fail with your relationship to your brothers or sisters or mom and dad or mom and dad to a child. Everybody's felt that guilt. Everybody's had that pressure. Everybody's felt that weight. But the devil says, well, nobody's ever done that before. Man, you can look around this room right now and every single person without fail has been right there. And if they tell you they haven't, they're lying. Every person. Are you here? He wants to isolate you and say, well, you know, you're just the only person that deals with a sexual temptation or an addiction of some sort or this appetite or this desire. Well, duh. You can look around here and every person in this room has had to deal with the same trial, the same tribulation, the same temptation. What's the good news? The good news is that the relief is going to come. The victory is going to come. The deliverance is going to come. The trial is going to end. And the Holy Ghost is going to infuse you so you can go and do something. Even though the devil's been lying to you, telling you that you're disqualified and you'll never be able to do the will of God, never will be able to help anybody because you failed. There's redeeming, delivering, saving grace in the name and the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? On Wednesday, we were talking about mercy. Nick told me it was a good message. I thought it was really good, but... Um, <laughs> Psalm 103 says that Jesus, God, is not judging us or seeing us as what we are in our sin. 
He's forgotten our transgression. So this issue that you're facing or this trial that you're facing, this pain in your body or financial pressure, or whatever it is, or the I don't know what to do or I don't know how to or I don't know when, or just, just, just breathe. Sometimes you've got to remember, just take a breath. First and foremost, tell the devil he's a liar. When he tries to tell you that you're all alone and no one cares, that's not true. You're not alone and everybody cares. How do you know that they're not dealing with the same thing you're dealing with? How many remember me saying we ought to be at least as smart as the devil? Amen. Everybody deals with the pressure of this, that, or the other. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's going to bring an end. He's going to deliver you, and he's going to pray. He has prayed for your faith. Your faith is not going to fail you. Like I said, if we'll just stand and not give up, if we'll just stand and just keep our ground. I was talking to one person one time that was just going through hell on earth. And I said, don't try to grow. Don't try to grow because you won't. Just don't lose. Don't try to advance. Don't try to grow. Don't try to take any territory or take any ground. Just take an inventory real quick of everything that you believe, everything you have, and don't lose anything. Just hold on to it with everything you have and don't lose. If you don't lose, then you're already ahead of the game because somebody else may start to lose what they believe and question whether or not it's real or think about this or think about that. But when hell comes in on you, just take a quick inventory. This is what I believe. This is my creed. I'm not going to lose what I believe. I'm going to hold fast to my profession of faith, to my confidence. I'm not going to cast away my confidence. Why? Because it has great recompense of reward. I'm going to hold on to what I have. Trial's going to come. Yes. Tribulation's going to come. Pain and pressure's going to come. And that moment, don't go to try to advance unless the Lord tells you to. Yeah. In that moment, take inventory and say, I'm not going to let go of one single thing I believe. I'm not going to doubt or wonder if or why. Right. I'm going to stand right here. I'm not even going one step backwards. I'm not going to try to go forward. I'm going to hold on to my confidence, hold on to my faith, watch what I'm saying, put a guard on my mouth and put a guard on my mind. Well, I'm preaching real good in this Holy Ghost Word of Faith church. So we have to be smart. It's those moments where we're regrouping and recuperating and refocusing. And I'm glad to say, I don't know where this person is today, but the person goes to this church, and I'm glad to say that this person didn't lose. They stood their ground. The battle's lifted a bit. It's not so intense, not so hard right now. It's wishy-washy, but there's a faith and a life and an encouragement. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, this is real life. This is real life. This for, we're, we're in a war. <laughs> this is a war. We win, we've won, but the enemy's too dumb to just let it go. It's like a ceasefire was called because they were, their back was broken, but they're just shooting strays at you, trying to pick you off. Well, you don't have to let that happen. So when it gets, when it gets for real serious hard, don't try to advance. Just make a stand. I'm not going to lose. I'm not going to lose. I'm not going to back off. I'm not going to push in and press in and try to advance. I'm just going to... What does Psalm 91 tell us? Psalm 91 tells us to come under the feathers of his wings. Well, that's not running in. 
That's not pressing on. That's not advancing. That's, I'm a, I know who I belong to. And I know that he's guarding me. And under the feathers of his wings, I'm just going to take my refuge and my comfort. I'm not going to lose anything. That's not giving up. That's wisdom. I'm going to hide under him. Well, preach on, preacher. That's good teaching. I wish someone would have taught me that a long time ago. The Holy Ghost did a while ago. But man, I could have used it a few times before I learned it. Amen? Just coming in and saying, all right, I'm going to get everything that belongs to me. I'm not going to let go of anything. Lord, I'm not going to let him put lies in my head and make me question the truth. Amen. Jesus said, your faith is going to stay in trial. The trying or sifting like wheat. Your faith is going to go on trial here. I'm going to pray that it's going to stand. And when you come back, edify the brethren. Strengthen the brethren. Minister to the brethren. It's the total opposite of what we want to do because in the battle, it's all about us. Like I said, all about my pain and my ache and my hurt and my worry and, and, and does anybody know me and where's my, does anybody have my phone number, my address? Does anybody even care? But when God turns that thing loose and the Holy Ghost comes on you and equips you and administers to you, he ministers to you, there's an outreaching. Bless God, I'm going to go help people. The clouds have parted, the sun is shining, the sky is bright. I'm going to go and win some people to Jesus. I'm going to go and strengthen their brethren. I'm going to go and minister to my family and my friends and Christians. Amen. You have time for one more verse? I went 35 minutes and I have like 30 seconds left, so maybe I should shut up. All right, then turn to Judges chapter 16. You've twisted my arm and convinced me. I'm not going to take too much time here. And I believe that you should read from Judges chapter 13 to Judges chapter 16. It gives you the life of Samson. You ought to read it. It's good. Judges 13, Judges 16. Just, you know, a little bit of reading. But it's good. Hello? Judges chapter 16 gives us the death of Samson. And uh, the Bible tells us that, does anybody remember what, what Samson is or what Samson was? Besides a judge, obviously. Well, he was a miracle baby, but does anybody remember why? He was a Nazarite. He wasn't to eat certain things, and he wasn't to ever cut his hair. And the Bible tells us that God spoke to him and said that he was going to have unusual ability and power, but he could never cut his hair. So Samson had unusual ability, unusual power. He ripped things in half and took jawbones and killed people and the spirit of the Lord came on him and killed 30 people and did just crazy awesome stuff and people <laughs> I gotta focus I gotta say focus pastor, pastor. alright I'm gonna try people have depicted in years past and watching you know Christian cartoons and stuff that he was like He-Man what don't make any sense why would he be like He-Man it required the spirit of the Lord to come upon him I just think he was usual. 
but had unusual ability when the Holy Ghost came on him. It's actually a shadow of type of us. We're just natural people until the Holy Ghost comes and lives on the inside of us, and then we're supernatural people. I don't think that Samson was like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think Samson's more like Art or Joseph or Jim or me. Well, maybe not me. I'm fat and big. He was probably fit. But the Bible tells us the Holy Ghost came on him. And he was able to do these awesome things. Now, if he had strength and had might and it was his and he possessed it, then he wouldn't have to... What does it matter if his hair gets cut? We got so much muscle that you can't do natural things, then what does it matter about your hair? That's just me. I'm focused. So the Bible tells us in 16, Samson goes out to beat up on the Philistines, and it works. And then Delilah comes along, gets him to lay with her, and she cut his hair. And there he is, powerless. There he is, hopeless and helpless. The Bible says, when Delilah, verse 18, 16, 18, when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, come up once more, for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in her hand. She lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him and his strength left. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. The anointing lifted off of him. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes. Everybody say, ouch. The devil doesn't play fair. He's not nice put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters and became a grinder in the prison. Verse 22 is so cool. Verse 22 says, however, the hair of his head began to grow again. Deliverance is about to come. The anointing is about to come on you. Salvation, as it were, deliverance. The hair of his head began to grow. The Bible says that he went into the house where all the Philistines had met. And he asked, Lord, just come upon me one more time. Just come on me one more time. And then he said these words, which I wish he wouldn't have. I will die with the Philistines. I don't think he had to my opinion. He said, I'll die with the Philistines. The Lord said, all right, I'll come upon you one more time and you'll die with the Philistines. And he took the two great pillars and he, the Bible says he killed more Philistines in his death than he ever did in life. But this morning, and this isn't a play emotionally, I just, I look at you and I see hope. The hair is beginning to grow. I feel like there was an anointing here this morning, bless you, that broke off the chains and the fetters. Amen. There was a real, real anointing in worship this morning. And I believe that, you know what, you may have been bound, 
You may have been in the enemy's camp. You may have found yourself on the wrong side of wherever you should have been doing and seeing and tasting and touching and smelling and feeling and whatever that you shouldn't have been. But I have hope, and I see this morning the hair is beginning to grow. Yes. God. The Holy Ghost is going to see you through this thing, and there's going to be an anointing that's going to come on you because the Word tells us so, and you need to make sure that you go and minister to the brethren. Amen. Thank God for delivering power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Did you get anything out of this this morning? Read, read Judges 13, 14, 15, and 16. It's a great story. It's all true, by the way. Sometimes we think, you know, and take that picture of He-Man or Arnold Schwarzenegger out of your head and just put a picture of Art in there just going. But we get, uh, we get so much truth from the word of God that's absolutely pertaining to our life. And I feel like God's just in heaven saying, would you, would you just use it? Use it to win. Use it to overcome. This morning, I, the, the word of the Lord, I think, went out. This is what God told me to preach. Grab a hold of it. Put some faith to it. Say, you know what? I believe that my faith is not going to fail. I'm not going to lose any ground. When I'm on the other side of this thing, I'm going to go and help some folks. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for the word. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you, Father God, for the reality of the fact that you're not going to leave us alone in this prison. You're not going to leave us alone in this bondage. You're not going to leave us alone in this desperate situation that we are in. You're going to deliver us. The temptation's going to end. The enemy's going to leave. And we thank you, Father, we'll return in the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank you again for sealing this in our spirits and just reminding us, reminding us, reminding us of the Holy Ghost living inside of us. Remind us of your abiding presence with us. Remind us of the Holy Ghost, the presence of God within us, and the presence of God upon us. I know I went a little long this morning, but uh, I just want to take a few more minutes and obey the Lord. I believe by the Holy Ghost, and I know some things in the natural. Listen, there, there are people in here that I know that I have a relationship with that I talk to. But there's also the Holy Ghost that talks to us and reveals things to us. And I believe by the Holy Ghost that there are some people here this morning who are just flat out given up. They didn't say, God, you don't exist and I hate you. But they just said, you know what, I just am done. <laughs> I just quit. This thing's lasted so long. The answer hasn't come for so long. The pain's been here for so long. The trial's been here for so long. The weight has been on me for so long. I just give up. I've just quit. And I believe that today, if that's you and you're here this morning, I believe that you're going to come back. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. Because that's what a pastor should do. Amen? I don't want anybody looking around. It's just me and you and Jesus. Now, I know personally everybody in the room. I know everybody has received Jesus at least once. But if you're here and you say, you know what, Pastor Brian, 
that fits me what you told me this this morning that it's just been so long I've been so far I've done so much that I just gave up I just quit and just said I, I don't know if I can ever get out of it I don't know if it'll ever end I don't know if the pain will ever go away I don't know if the discouragement will ever lift I don't know if the weight will ever go but you spoke today from the word of God and you helped me and now you've given me an opportunity to just make a declaration between me and you and God that I'm going to come back if that's you Put your hand up in the air real quick. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hands. Thank you. Thank you. Let's stand up on our feet. You know, I didn't know anything naturally about who was going to be here this morning, but isn't it fun when you go fishing and you catch fish? It's like you get, you get what you went after. Let's all just say this if you can out loud. Just say, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I repent. I gave up. I struggled. Forgive me. I won't do it again. I'm coming back to you. I'm coming close to you. Tucking in under the feathers thank you that you forgive me. I thank you that you restore me. I put a hand to him and say, I receive right now the anointing of the Holy Ghost to minister to me and to send me out to minister to the brethren. I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's clap real good for Jesus. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, it's fun to go to church. 